Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes. Welcome to Rock Strikes Ten, the show guaranteed to always give you ten songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. Of course, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today. Whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode, thank you especially everybody who does that. This is part three of four of our tribute to the greatest artist of my lifetime, Prince. And as we start part three, we are in the year 1996, still known as the artist formerly known as Prince or the unpronounceable symbol, the love symbol. And Warner Brothers just starts putting out stuff, basically, trying to finish the contract up. Uh, He's very close to striking out completely on his own, but not there yet. Still working on it. And then this comes out. There's actually some really cool tracks on Chaos and Disorder. It's, It's got more of a rock edge than pretty much almost anything, you know, like Sans Gold Experience. Definitely has some of the more uh, classic rock and R&B flavor in it that that you you know and love him for, or at least if you're, you know, just a casual listener. But good stuff on Chaos and Disorder. This has always been one of my favorite songs off of it. Should have been the single. Check this one out. Good opener here. This is I Like It There. Every damn day I please you What can I 
Shakespeare hasn't said before Like an embryo baby Don't abort this dying need for ya On my emotional ejaculate on the floor And what's more Kicking off part three of our special tribute to Prince. Some of the stuff you can only hear on a show like Rock Strikes 10. That was I Like It There from Chaos and Disorder. The last of the Warner Brothers records. As far as proper studio albums, studio tracks, Warner, that's it. It's over now. And, uh, you know, just even seeing Prince go out and actually do press because he's on his own. Completely independent. Running NPG records, it had to be like probably one of the best times of his life. I can only imagine. It really seemed that way when I'd actually see him on TV. Especially that there was a great VH1 special with Chris Rock interviewing him. That's out there. Go check. Go find that. The whole half hour. It's, it's a great interview. He's he's real laid back, having fun, cracking jokes, and yeah, it, it was a good time. Even if Emancipation which came out the same year as Chaos and Disorder, later on in 1996. So his first independent release, or at least, you know, that, that wound up in stores, uh, was a triple CD of stuff, a three-hour record, and, you know, a lot to consume. And even as a massive longtime fan, I'm not the biggest fan of Emancipation. On, on principle, I, I wanted to love Emancipation, but... You know, the, the people talk about how he didn't know how to edit. Uh, there's definitely a really good one disc in the three discs that is Emancipation, but that's his journey, and I will not fault him for it. I never faulted him for that. And like I said, it was cool seeing him out there, shaking hands, kissing babies, really for the first time ever, really. And saw him on this tour, the Jam of the Year tour. It was a good time. First time I ever got to see him. It was awesome. I went with my CNJ radio partner there Chris and it was a good old time and you know great set list of course and uh, it's almost like a blur because I was just so in awe of seeing him live like I, I've pretty much forgotten half the set list at this point I remember him doing like a section of uh, piano solo stuff where he did like scandalous and how come you don't call me anymore stuff like that and I remember him playing a decent amount of Emancipation material, like Jam of the Year, Face Down. He, he did a cover of Joan Osborne's One of Us, which is on disc three of Emancipation. Uh, and uh, so, you know, like I said, not a huge fan of Emancipation. But like I said, you can get a good one disc of material out of it. Uh, including this one right here, this great funk and roll jam. Like it a lot. So here you go. This is We Gets Up. Everybody get down 
We Gets Up, right there, from Emancipation, 1996. Probably my favorite song off that record. Yeah, I would say it's my favorite song. Like I said, there's some cool songs on there. Face Down, Somebody, Somebody, Jam of the Year. I even like his cover of One of Us. And yeah, it was weird, he, him doing covers. After all that time, put putting three cover songs on Emancipation. Betcha by Golly Wow, La 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 Means I Love You, and One of Us. Really interesting to hear him do covers. and You know, it, it was odd, but anyway... Uh, two years after that, 1998, you know, I had heard rumblings because, you know, really, this, uh, for me personally, the early days of the internet, you know, 1998, that sounds about right. And hearing about this, uh, that he's finally going to put out Crystal Ball and he's going to put it out directly through his fan club and the, you know, the, the mail order number and all that stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be really hard to track down. Lo and behold, one day, literally just uh, probably hanging out with Chris at the mall or something like that, going into a warehouse music inside Northeast Mall there. And right there on the end cap displays is this like, like kind of like shapely sphere, like it's like a half sphere and it says crystal ball in the front. And I was like, oh my God, they have crystal ball. I bought it immediately, took it home, listened to the whole thing, listened to all four discs in one night yeah there was uh, three discs of crystal ball and then a fourth bonus disc called the truth so gonna do that afterwards but for now you know because i consider them two separate releases honestly and the truth is definitely its own entity but like like i said we'll, we'll talk about that next but crystal ball uh for all intents and purposes what he was going to put out instead of sign of the times and, you know, we talked about that on part one. The label did not want a triple album, even though he was like, you know, still around his commercial peak in the 80s. They said no triple album. It's a terrible idea. So most of this material, I'm sure he reconfigured the track listing quite a bit. There's obviously stuff that was recorded on Crystal Ball that was not of the times. No pun intended. Uh, but it's a neat collection of stuff. I really like a lot of stuff on there, so it was really hard to pick a track, uh, what what to play. I, I, I love a lot of it. I love Hide the Bone. There's two tracks on there that he wrote originally for Morris Day in the Time. One was called Chlorine Bacon Skin, and the other one's called Movie Star. Movie Star is hilarious, and I almost picked that, but I, I think I have that in mind for another episode of the show. So I'm going to play this one. This is the epic of part three. We had two on part two, and now another epic. This is a live song, but it's part of the configuration of Crystal Ball. So check this one out. This one's this one will tear your head off. This is Days of Wild. The wild experience. Hold on to your wits. Break down. This is a bust. Hold on to your wits. All you trying motherfuckers up against the wall. If you don't play, bite the dust. Cause in a couple of simple fucking phrases, I'm gonna give you to the fucking place of the brand new master. Y'all say. Now the days are wild. Hell yeah. 
since the other 90s was better suited for that biz. Back when Dick was fucking Liz. Before soda pop had fizz. The blame it on your jock strap full of jizz. Mentality is so insane. I gotta take 9 2 and it's called my brain. Shoot another brother, not today. Death for men is the only way. I can tear shit up, y'all. That's my style. These are the days of wild. Put them up. Oh, I don't think so I only knew one and never told her though I thought about it many times Just me? That's the kind of shit to make you check your mind Is your blood type the type that flows? Did your blood type the type that's stereo? A woman ever did your be thanked I disrespect you, not a rape respect And if a woman ever said I did She's a motherfucking line, I'm a set of key I'ma tear shit up, y'all, that's my style These are the days of wild Everybody got a little slave in them tonight, say it. Uh, 
right, Days of Wild there from Crystal Ball live track. Crazy nine-minute live jam there. And I'm pretty sure that was recorded at Paisley Park because he references Minneapolis, so I'm assuming that's where that song was recorded. So, yeah, yeah, he had his own nightclub inside of his mansion. And his fan club, you know, MPG Music Club, they got to go to those shows. He would open up his doors and and have these crazy you know all-night shows so man if only i could have attended one of those it would have been amazing it would i can only imagine i can only imagine now but moving on here like i said before i played days of wild there was a fourth disc a bonus disc to crystal ball called the truth which uh, his most stripped down release bar none hands down is the truth it's basically Prince Unplugged. Not a whole lot of instruments on it besides an acoustic guitar and the man himself. You know, there's a little bit of looping here and there, but for the most part, it's very stripped down. It's very bare, very honest, and definitely worth your time. It's, it's a unique release for him, obviously, just talking about it that way. It's, it's, it's a cool record. So I actually was going to play the title track, but... Once again, I re-listened to this very recently, and this one really stuck out because the arrangement's just really neat, you know, for basically an acoustic song. Uh, Still taking chances, even on stuff like this. So I just like the odd, uh, you know, some of the notes that he chose on this, if I may be so snobby musician-like, but interesting choices in, in how he plays guitar on this. So check it out here for yourself. This is Dion. Well...
the album the truth that was dion hope you enjoyed that out there really oddball song there but it's just i just really like it it just sticks out for me so that's why i played it here on the show moving on here to the album new power soul which was credited to the new power generation and i think this is as good a time as any to you know just kind of go over a little bit of the albums that you won't hear on on this particular four-part special uh there's just so many albums and I, I did have to make cuts and really for the purpose of what kind of show I normally do you know things like that uh, you know some some of these albums just don't fit the mold uh, once again like the true artist that he was uh, you know in, in a show like this you know and and it's stuff that I enjoy but I'm, I'm not gonna play it on the show uh, stuff he, he put out a couple of albums under the moniker Madhouse, which is just straight, you know, instrumental jazz funk, you know. And, you know, I, do I really need to play something like that on this show? And and especially some albums like that. And he had a few other albums like that to where they're just all instrumentals. And, you know, it, it's something to listen to all the way through. It's It's nothing I can really even pick apart anyway. Or, like I said, something I wouldn't normally play on the show. But uh, they're neat, and as a hardcore fan, I have them, and I enjoy them. So, you know, there's there's a lot of that stuff out there. C-Note is another one. And, you know, there's there's about, eh, I'd say about, about eight records that are full links that you could obtain at one point or another, but they're just extremely hard to get. But, um, you know, I'm going to go over a few more of those as these specials go on. So I just wanted to make note of that. Like, like for instance, in 95, there's a new Power Generation album called Exodus, which is it's a really cool record. It's definitely a P-Funk-influenced funk record. And, you know, it's, I, I had to cut it off of there. Uh, you know, I, I kind of look at those as uh, that and, uh, you know, Gold Nigga from 93, I look at those as kind of companion albums in a sense because they are New Power Generation records. Uh, but New Power Soul is one I, I've been listening to for a long time. And I definitely have a favorite track off of that right now. So I'm going to play it for you right here. And once again, talking about how these songs... And, and you know, just talking about how some styles of certain records maybe don't fit into what you might normally hear or maybe expect to hear on Rock Strikes 10... At New Power Soul, I like the record, but there's nothing very rock on it. But this one, I think, gets as close as possible. And uh, coincidentally, another one of my favorite songs on the record, if not my favorite. So here you go, off of New Power Soul from 1998. This is When You Love Somebody.
There you go, a nice shiny positive song from Prince with the song When You Love Somebody from New Power Soul. Hope you enjoyed that. And we move over to 1999. Yes, that year. The year where he actually re-recorded 1999. Uh, Put it out as a maxi single for the purpose of, you know, I mean, why not? Cashing in on the Y2K thing. And of course, everybody's going to be playing that song during their New Year's Eve parties. And I think the idea was he would, you know, put out a replacement version and everybody would dig it and it didn't really set the world on fire. So, and I'm not a huge fan of remakes anyway. I get it for certain occasions, but uh, for that sake, I'm going to move on from playing that. But there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just, you know, can't beat the original. But there were two full-length albums released in 1999 by Prince. One uh, against his will and the other one completely heavily involved in. The last of the Warner Brothers albums came out actually two months prior to the one he was really working on. So this album comes out called The Vault, Old Friends for Sale. And it says in the liner notes that the songs were recorded between 1985 and 1994. So it runs the gamut of you know, era, but it, it, it seems pretty cohesive, honestly. It, you know, I wouldn't know that if, if it hadn't told me. So I like the vault, nothing wrong with it. Uh, but here is a standout track for me personally. Check this one out. It's a lot of fun. It's called Five Women Plus. <laughs>
was her name, she was jumping. Jumping from plane to plane. Actress or model or something. Can't even remember her first name. June brought an Easter bunny. Needless to say, that girl was late. Told her, made her start doing busy body of our only date. What a sketch. July was a heartbreak. Extraordinary. This woman whose kiss was something scary It felt so much, so much like you But it only made me, made me want you more She's gone, she's gone But you're still here I want you very Took five women is a day to get you off my mind. It took five months, five months, plenty good wasted time, but it just took five minutes, and I saw your face again. Five Women Plus there. That was from The Vault, Old Friends for Sale from 1999. The year 1999, I should say. Especially when you're talking about Prince, you need to say the year 1999 as opposed to the song. But we're getting into that record he was actually working on that he actually wanted to come out this year. And it's the album Raven to the Joy Fantastic. And interestingly enough, he's done with Warner. And he gets a distribution deal with Arista. And what that entails is basically it's Prince's deal, it's his gig, he owns the masters, and Arista Records comes in and pays like kind of a flat rate uh, or, or takes a very small percentage to act as a distributor. So if the thing sells well, they do well, and Prince does extremely well. So it's kind of a, a new way to do records, and he would continue to do that anytime he would go back to a major for the rest of his career. So he figured it out finally on how to call his own shots and everything like that while still managing to get your records played in stores and potentially on radio. So Raven to the Joy, fantastic. I'd, I'd say, honestly, even as a fan, it's a very calculated move. It's at the era of Santana Supernatural where he's writing this huge comeback, winning Grammys and all that stuff. And I know, obviously, Prince was very aware of Santana. I'm not saying he copied Santana, but I am saying all of a sudden guest stars start showing up on Prince's record, something that was never really a thing with him. Now all of a sudden you got the, the hit makers of the day showing up, and it's it's cool, you know, paying tribute to the guy and everything, but it's not really, it, it feels like a weird, different kind of Prince record just because of that, because it's, 
you're so used to him working on his own and doing his own thing and and you know there's some cool people on there i'm a fan of chuck d i like cheryl crow especially at this point man she was killing it and you got your gwen stefani's and your eves and, and people like that on there i think i defranco is on there too so you know he kind of everybody's included right so they got that going on and weirdly enough like i said cheryl crow guests on the record and prince does do a cover of cheryl's every day as a winding road but cheryl's not on it instead she's on this track actually my favorite song on raven to the joy fantastic nice little rocker here so after these last two songs i think you're going to want just a straight ahead you know cool rock song and i think this is one of them so here you go this is prince with cheryl crow and baby knows your boys in a powwow to scope a plan out of ditch a man in a trunk of a Lexus, a perplexing hexes which is flex.
know you didn't just turn me down. Baby Nose from Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Nice little sexy rocker there. I hope you enjoyed that. And it would be another two years before Prince would put out another full-length record, 2001. And, man, you know, I, I gotta say, and this is putting a major asterisk in front of this release when I start talking about it. I, I do like a handful of songs on this record, but... I gotta say, it's probably the most difficult listen of Prince's entire recording career, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. But the Rainbow Children from 2001, I'm not saying you have to be a religious person to enjoy this record, but it doesn't hurt if you are. This is that part where uh, we've come to the part in Prince's life where he gets converted to Jehovah's Witness. Uh, apparently by Larry Graham, from what I understand. I love Larry, but damn. <laughs> this kind of uh, it puts the kibosh on a lot of things in Prince's career, and it would even affect his set list in the years to come. And he would disassociate or even just disavow, disown a big chunk of his recorded history. And it, it's a shame that he felt the need to do that. In my opinion, I think it's an absolute shame. But... I know I've said this a few times during these specials. That was his journey. I could find the good in any Prince release, and I did on the Rainbow Children. There's a couple of other cool songs on this album. Family Name's kind of neat. I like the Everlasting Now. You know, there's, like I said, tons of religion happening on this one. And it's a weird listen. Uh, It's very jazzy at times. Uh, But I really, really enjoy this song. And even though you're going to hear the religious overtone in the lyrics on this song... I still dig it because this is definitely a nice James Brown kind of throwback. So enjoy. This is the work.
Officially called The Work Part 1. I never heard of Part 2, but I'm sure there's one out there. Maybe in the vaults, but that was Prince with The Work from Rainbow Children. I enjoy that song. It's it's a real funky track, obviously. You can hear the James Brown influence from down the street, and there's nothing wrong with that. Moving on here, actually fast-forwarding three years between uh, you know studio albums that would be in stores. And I'm still not, you know... I. I never made it to the MBG Music Club. I did get a handful of releases from there uh, via other means, let's just say. But anything that wound up in the stores properly, I did buy physically, legally, with my own money. Including the two things between the two major studio albums, which was the One Night Alone live box set. It's like a live box set. Two CDs of like basically a full show. And then a third disc, which is the after show, basically, which for every show that Prince ever did, there was an after show every single night. The guy never stopped. And that's another reason we love him. And after the live box set, he put out a all-jazz instrumental record called Expectation on MPG Music Club. And then another instrumental album called C-Note. And then in stores was a album called News, N-E-W-S. And it stands for Northeast, West, and South. It is four tracks, exactly 14 minutes apiece. And that's all jazz-influenced instrumental music as well. So he did three jazz albums in a row in the same year, 2003. And then 2004 rolls around, and now it's time for Musicology, which is kind of really the turning point in the last major modern era of his, I think, as far as public consciousness goes. He hits the road again hugely successful tour he didn't he hadn't done a big tour in about five six years maybe and of course a guy like prince not touring for five or six years once he does on a massive scale everybody wants to see it including me saw him twice on this tour the two best shows i've ever seen in my life 
can say that pretty much uh, hand on heart, you know. Uh, there's other shows that are probably as good as far as my feel about it and just my overall enjoyment, but as far as just performance goes, there was there was none better. There just wasn't. And Musicology, the record, uh, it, it, it wasn't the comeback that I wanted and probably what he wanted. It, it didn't set the world on fire once again. I think he, at this point, for sure, pretty much with no turning back, he was forever going to be deemed a classic artist, and it's almost an unwritten rule about classic artists and heritage acts that uh, they're just not going to have another hit, apparently, after X amount of years, and Prince had already gone down that road, crossed that line through that territory, and it's sad because, you know, he would put out a, a song occasionally, people would hear it, and they get played, but it... They never really took off again. It's really sad. And Musicology probably should have had a handful of hits on it. They got it over with the people, but I don't know. Maybe the fix was in. But I, I dig Musicology. It's it's not the best, you know, it's it's not in the top three. It's not in the bottom three. That's one of the cliches I like to use when I'm copping out on where I'd rank a record in someone's catalog. But I enjoy it. And uh, this one right here, there's actually a, a couple of cool soul and R&B influence type rock and roll on there. But... I'm going to play this one because every time I hear this song, it makes me think of the show. They played this song at both shows, and it was a nice peak of the show because the whole band is just killing it on stage. And you can tell they're actually having a lot of fun. And so this is a fun song. It's, 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 it's a house jam. It's Life of the Party. This is the life of the party. We gonna do it right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. 
Noted saxophone player Candy Dulfer on co-lead vocals there on Life of the Party by Prince from Musicology. And once again, just to tell you how much of an insanely crazy work ethic this guy had, and y- you probably knew that already, uh, but the same day that Musicology comes out, apparently he drops two other studio records through his music club, full-length albums, Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse, both come out at the same time as Musicology does. So he's got three new records out, basically. And, man, those records are damn good. They're up there, if not equal to Musicology, honestly, in my opinion. And if I... The way I have this show paced, this four-parter here, I can't include a song from both of those records on there, so I'm basically going to just kind of chalk it up to one major release, and I'm going to pick one song off of both of those records. It's really tough, because like I said, there's some quality stuff on there for sure. But I'm going to play you this one. I like this one a lot. This one stuck out upon my last listen of both records. So here you go. This one is from the Slaughterhouse record, and this is called Peace. Artists! Somebody didn't hear me. Artist! Family long. As friends, you gotta get your pieces. I'll be a man of peace 
some fun there and closing off part three of four of our special tribute to the man to prince that was peace from the slaughterhouse record which was internet only through his fan club came out the same day as musicology and there was another album called the chocolate invasion maybe go seek those records out through some means they're out there and ready to enjoy perhaps they'll get official official releases someday but you know, if, if you've been with me this whole time, all three parts here, I really do appreciate it. There might might have been a few times within this part three especially that might have required some extra patience and understanding of my fandom here. But I gotta tell you, please tune in for part four. I think part four is really gonna surprise a lot of people. The last part of this man's career, I would argue that he was putting out his best stuff. And if you don't believe me, and, uh, you know, I, I don't like to tell lies, but I feel like I'm telling the truth, so join me on part four. It's up here right away, and listen to the last phase of Prince's career. There's some amazing stuff there. It's gonna blow you away. Guaranteed. Until then, please go to cnjradio.com for the entire archive of Rock Strikes 10 including the episodes that aren't on iTunes anymore. But you can go to iTunes, listen, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Share it with your friends. Leave a star rating and review and all that good stuff. 
stuff I mentioned at the top of the show. And, of course, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Space Beard for the awesome outro that I play on every show. And to you out there for spending the time with me here. And if you're grieving, grieving along with me, then, you know, hands on shoulders. We're all in this together. Until then, I'll see you on part four. Have fun.